Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, the weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Dr. Todd Chipman to the podcast. Dr. Chipman serves as Dean of Graduate Studies and Associate Professor of Biblical Studies here at Midwestern Seminary. He's authored several books and articles and has been the teaching pastor at the Masters Community Church in Kansas City, Kansas, since 2000. Todd, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Thanks, Dr. Allen. Yeah, it's good to be in the studio today. We're talking about the benefits of pastoral ministry. And really what occasions this podcast today is we're recording this in uh, July of, of 2022. And just our current ministry moment. On the one hand, some of the challenges that so many churches and so many ministers have faced the past couple of years due to COVID and all the complications and challenges associated with it. But also just our ministry moment where at times when you look online and social media and you look around, it can feel like the minister is a beleaguered individual. Uh, the minister can often feel under siege. And so today I hope as we talk here for 15 or 20 minutes or so that, uh, that we might be able to encourage some listeners today who are pastoring, who find themselves in perhaps challenging ministry contexts, perhaps difficult local church settings, and just remind them of the nobility of the calling and uh, the glory of local church pastoral ministry. So before we get into that, uh, give us a sense of update on you, your ministry, church, seminary, and uh, any writing projects that are, that are coming in the near future for you. It's been a great summer. Uh, church ministry uh, in the summer is uh, shifting often with folks on vacation and trying to organize missions events, often missions trips. We've had a couple of those for our church and folks out right now. And so that's fun to keep up with them and see how the Lord is working. And with family, it's trying to enjoy vacation and yet stay grounded in church and, and moving parts around. But we've been able to have a balanced summer as a family. I've had a few uh, writing projects, I have a book proposal out now that I'm um, waiting on a publisher for and looking for other uh, opportunities there as well as some uh, initiatives here at MBTS with Global Campus and organizing curriculum. So a number of exciting initiatives and excited to look to the fall and see what the Lord has. And say what about your family, ages of your kids, that sort of thing. Yes, 26 down to 14, uh, 13. So uh, no one under 13. Uh, so uh, teenagers and up. And thriving kids out of the house, it's fun to see them grow and learn and become adults and grounded in churches. Uh, so that's a joy. And those who are at home, uh, trying to keep up with them and enjoy while I can still beat them at basketball. That's right. And that, that's important. So, uh, so go back to your local church ministry for a moment and uh, give us a sense as to your tenure at the uh, at the Masters Community Church uh, over two decades now, a sense of the broad contours of what, what God has done there and these days what you're finding most in, uh, enjoyable and most uh, fruitful in the ministry there. When I think back to early 2000 and I think about the call to ministry that the Lord put on me, it was as a student here at MBTS, and the church environment was so different. You and I have talked about this uh, before, that the church environment in the late 90s was different in Kansas City. To find a church with continuous exposition, a plurality of leaders, regardless of the title deacon or elder, just a plurality of individuals who were biblically qualified, trying to make decisions, and a church nursery, to put all three of those together, which were a concern for my wife and I with a growing family, it was difficult to find. And we found masters, and it was a church pastored by a student, and we, with encouragement from others, joined and I did an internship 
following that internship, the pastor who was there decided to uh, pursue church restarts and revitalizations. That's what he sensed a gifting in. And he moved on and the door opened for me to be there. And he asked, do you want to be the senior pastor here? I said, that's why I've come to seminary. That's why I'm in, yes, I'm in Kansas City. That's why I'm here. So jumped in and that was in the fall of 2000. And it has been a, a rich opportunity. It has been difficult, I think, in the last several years more so than any other time period. I think COVID was very difficult for me, for many churches. It was difficult because it was uh, combined not only with epidemiology, but cultural crises that we had to navigate. And so it has been difficult, and I sympathize with pastors who may be feeling a bit of a struggle right now. And so when we discussed this podcast, I, I was happy to be on to think with pastors and, and try to encourage them. Because in the midst of this, I think many pastors, though there has been discouragement, there has been great encouragement in the Word. And that's what I'm excited to think about with you today. So you came to Midwestern Seminary as an MDiv student when? Fall of 99. Okay, okay. So you were not here that long at all when you stepped into the pastorate. No, masters. no, just over a year. That's great. Well, God bless you. Thank you for your faithfulness there and uh, the way you rightly fulfill your dual calling to the church and to the seminary. You know, when we think about our ministry moment, and again, much has been made of the challenges in this, in this season. And uh, that, that really was clarified to me in a preaching setting I was in just a few months back. And I was in a city, and I'll leave the city nameless, but it was one of these events where I was in a city, and I was going to preach at a couple of different churches when I was in that city. And uh, I know both the, pa- the pastors of both those churches, consider both those men friends. I've preached at both of those churches before. And, uh, you know, both churches have uh, you know, relatively healthy congregations, happy congregations, and very stable ministries. Well, I went into that city and those preaching assignments expecting to, um, to kind of find this, the same thing, but I hadn't been in those churches since a, a pre-COVID moment. Well, one church, and these churches are just, you know, miles away, uh, one church had kind of moved through COVID, yet had been a little disruptive, some few folks out here and there with COVID, had not been contentious at all, and had been kind of a congregational afterthought for two years. Now, the church uh, demographically was younger, and um, just the, the feel of the place is, uh, was a little bit more kind of freewheeling, uh, a, little, a little more laid back. And, uh, and he just said, no, COVID hasn't been much of a disruption to us. Congregation has, has been strong, giving's been up, and uh, it just hasn't been much of a, dis- of a distraction. Well, I think, well, that's great. You know, that, that, that I'm thrilled for that. So then I go uh, to preach at the other church just across town. Again, faithful brother, I know well, church I know well. And uh, he, was, he said, honestly, Dr. Allen, it's been, it's been two years of just, of just real challenge. The issue of COVID itself, we've had many people out with illness, a congregation that had more elderly folks. He said, it's been, it's been honestly, it's been quite divisive as what we do by way of policies and what do we request, what do we require, how do we enforce it. It was kind of a two-year nightmare for him. Now, perhaps those are, are two extremes on the whole COVID pastoral ministry you know, spectrum. But, but most churches and most pastors are somewhere between those two extremes. And, and most of those perhaps have been a little closer to the challenging scenario than the what's the big deal scenario. Yes, I would concur. And the, the shifting nature of COVID and policies, sometimes having to make decisions on the fly for a, a number of people and recognizing that those decisions affect their lives. For me personally, I recall when the shutdown happened, 
I did not realize how much of my pastoral ministry was dependent on watching people. So much of what I did was seeing who was talking to who in the hallway, in the foyer, uh, before and after service. And I didn't have that ministry window when there was no one there and I was preaching into an iPhone. At that point, how do I see how people are doing? I'd try to develop different strategies of contacting people, and we went online with various events and so forth and lots of calls, but I still didn't have a sense of that. And so for me, that was a challenge. I think shepherding for many pastors has been difficult. And then when there are shifts in policy that we try to have to uh, adjudicate with people, that's another layer of challenge. And sometimes folks agree with those, sometimes they don't. And this has led to, again, where epidemiology and politics have come in. And we have seen sort of strange bedfellows develop in churches and in denominational life and how uh, different affinity groups have come together and some in our own congregations moving to this side and then to that side and trying to uh, help them see a bigger picture uh, at times has been difficult. But one consistent element, and this is where I think God has been glorified in, in many churches and pastors is I think of 2 Timothy 2, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but of power, love, and sound judgment. And I think many pastors have seen that in this season. But we, in the midst of the darkness, the, the light still shines. Yeah, and so the light is shining. And again, the conversation today is about the joys of pastoral ministry, the benefits of pastoral ministry. And by benefits and joys, we mean not just for the congregation, not joys just for those who benefit literally from the ministry, but we mean for the pastor himself. And, you know, Todd, uh, again, you, you exude pastoral leadership and pastoral uh, service that just comes through you. Uh, give us a sense as to your call to ministry. Where did that begin and how did that develop within you? It developed, I think, uh, initially when I was converted. I was in nursing school and thinking of going to medical school on a track for that. And that was just about prestige. But when I was converted, I just wanted people to know forgiveness of sin. That's, just, that's all I, I didn't mind thinking about health, but I wanted to know where someone was at with the Lord. And that led to experiences in a local church. And one uh, season of life as a uh, graduate of college, I was involved in a local church uh, and teaching in a Sunday school class and leading a small group and being mentored by some some great pastors. And one uh, pastor and his wife took my wife and I to dinner. Uh, we had just had our first child, and he sat across from us and asked, have you ever thought about pastoral ministry? And I really hadn't. I was teaching elementary school. I was pretty happy. I was coaching some football, enjoying that. But that really led to serious consideration of the local church. And that was bred into me in a local church. And from there, the concern for more growth, which the seminary affords. There's a sense in which a church and a seminary working together, which is what we have in the SBC, is a great model for training leaders in, in, the, in, in mass. And I began to pursue that and coming to seminary and, and from there to MCC. So you think about our ministry moment, and uh, there does seem to be a lot of just criticism towards the local church and towards those who minister to the local church in the air. Give us a sense as to like what pastors should do with that, not so much what's causing it. And again, you do think about the causes. Some of it is because our society generally is moving pretty rapidly in, a, in an unchristian uh, direction. And so there's perhaps a, a relishing on their part uh, mm -hmm. when they see a pastor stumble, when they see a church experiencing hardship. 
And then, you know, of course, you bring social media, the Internet, and it just seems like people are just awful quick to, to throw snark, uh, to be shrill, to engage in, in harsh criticism of ministers. And so give us a sense, I guess, just how, how pastors should, should process that. Two or three thoughts come to mind. First, to remember that the God who called us is faithful and sovereign over the cultural moment and over history. One factor that I think many pastors are relying upon more, and I mentioned 2 Timothy here, but I think of 1 Peter 2, and the realities that the cultural moment provides us an opportunity to testify of God's sustaining power and grace and to show him off in how we respond. So I think initially by recognizing God's sovereignty and second, seizing this moment to in some ways sympathize with those who would be detractors. Yes, there are problems. Yes, there are public figures who are believers who have fallen and brought shame to the name of Christ. But I want to share with you my life. I want to share with you what God has done in me and my ministry. In some ways, it provides us an opportunity for personal ministry. When I say personal, being personal with people, individuals, we certainly cannot win every social media war. And the more we try, the more we often fail. But this provides us an opportunity with friends, neighbors, coworkers, those around us to be ourselves and to witness of Christ in a very powerful way. And hospitality comes from that and so many personal relationships. So one, recognizing God's sovereignty, and two, seizing the personal moment that though the, uh, the, the list grows of those who have fallen, if we haven't, we have an opportunity to contrast that. So let, let's think more specifically about just the joys of pastoral ministry. Why fundamentally should we view it as an honorable responsibility, a noble call, a, a glorious opportunity? I think a few ideas surface for me when I, when I consider that. Number one, the pastor gets more time in the word and prayer than anyone. It's a part of our job. And what a thrill to be paid to study the Bible. Mm. Even if we're not, you know, there's a spectrum of pay and uh, the, the reward of, of just getting to be in the word and depend upon God gives the pastor an intimate view of the faithfulness of God. And that is worth it. That, that sustains us. I think as, as well, the pastor gets to see people grow in love for God and for each other in ways that others may not. There are ways that a pastor sees people grow that sometimes those folks don't even see themselves. Mm. And what a thrill that is to get to walk beside someone and say, you know, I think you're growing here and you may not even realize it. That's a good word, yeah. You, you, you may be having progress here and you, you don't even see it, but I do. I've seen you the last five years. I've seen the last 10 years, the last 15 years. I've seen what God's done in your family. Look at, look at where you're at. Look where you've come from and, and, and see where you're at. And very few people in a congregation get that kind of intimate window into people's lives. And the pastor does. And, and that's a thrill. Finally, what comes to mind is that the pastor gets to connect generations in ways that other folks in the church don't necessarily get to. I can grab uh, a handful of men of different generations together and do a lunch with them. And I have time, I have opportunity to think about that. Maybe others in the congregation don't, but I can see how those relationships 
can grow both generations, how older men grow from just encouraging and sharing stories of God's faithfulness with younger men, how younger men grow hearing those stories, hearing words of encouragement. And so seeing those generations congeal, this is just Titus 2 working out. And the pastor gets to see that and participate in that in ways that maybe average believers, even growing believers, just don't because it's not in their view. It's not in their 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 normal run of life and time and, and schedule. We've talked about the benefits for you personally, but uh, ministry also involves our families and our wives. For us pastors, they're not employees, but but typically the spouse, the wife is and ought to be deeply involved in the life of the local church. Kids are around, attending services, going to Sunday school, Bible study, perhaps student ministries. Uh, what have you seen over the years as far as the, the benefits of your local church ministry, your pastoral ministry, for those whom you love most? I think that the church's love for the pastor's family often eclipses the church's love for the pastor. So that's something to keep in mind if you're struggling uh, as, a, as a pastor. Uh, and, and it may seem like sometimes the church doesn't love me as maybe as much as I would like or maybe as much as I love them, but you can rest assured every night that that church loves your family. They, they have a uh, great stake in uh, what goes on in your wife's life and your children's lives. So having a broader support network uh, for a, a family, I think, is something that the average pastor enjoys. He may not realize it, but it is there, and it's probably something to tap into. Sometimes pastors will feel a sense of um, inappropriate vulnerability if they share a family struggle. And there's probably a, a set of folks in your church, if you're struggling in your family, you could go to them and they would pray with you. They would keep things private. They would support you. They wouldn't turn against you. And uh, so that, that kind of support for the local pastor's family. And I think as well, the, the pastor has an opportunity to shepherd his family with the congregation and in so doing can help his family to see the real purposes of life. Because that's what pastors get. We, we get to see the real purposes of life. It's not just about the economy or the neighborhood we live in or the car we drive or who's in the presidency, if it's our political party or not. We get to live life cradle to grave with people in light of the gospel. Yeah, and taking your kids along for a, a pastoral house call, a hospital visit. I've done that so many times over the years, and uh, those have been rich moments as a father to uh, his children, to get to experience those together. And kids see that, and, and our wives see it. We, we don't want to share everything about the church around the dinner table, but if there is a certain joy or burden, our family is going to see some of right. that in our eyes. And they get to recognize that there is more to my family than just my family. God is real, and they get a near experience of that, that kids who don't grow up in the parsonage, so to speak, don't get. Dr. Chibben, let me give you the last word. Any final comment on the joys of pastoral ministry? It is, it is a great calling. It is not easy. The cultural moment has made us all recognize that. But the cultural moment's been tough for a lot of folks. It's been tough for bar owners, right? That's right. So we got to recognize that we may be just uh, sort of looking our wounds here, but there are a lot of people who've struggled. But we have a God who has revealed himself in his word. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
And until Jesus returns, we have an opportunity to glorify him. And the the joys of that, partnering with uh, other churches to help us get by, to stay encouraged, so many things that we can do right now. And we have an opportunity to, to shine and the integrity of our lives will show. Dr. Chibben, thank you for joining me today on Preaching and Preachers. Thank you, Dr. Allen. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.